going to begin reading in verse 12. <clears throat> Paul had given his um, introduction to this chapter, and in verse 12, again, this is a letter he wrote from prison, in prison for the cause of Christ. And he said, I want you to know, brethren, that the things, verse 12, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ, and most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my change, chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for, their de- for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life, or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Now turn over to chapter 3, and I want to begin reading in verse 7. He'd been giving them some warnings about false teachers And then he speaks from his own personal, verse 7 of chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, those I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Heavenly Father, we... Ask this morning for your specific and personal direction in our lives. Lord, I pray 
that you would help us to know your mind, to know your will, and then to be able to leave here empowered by your Spirit to do your will. So, Lord, none of these things can I accomplish or can we accomplish in and of our own efforts. So we are dependent on you, and we rejoice that that you are a generous God, <clears throat> that you are willing and eager to raise up strong testimonies of your grace. Uh, Lord, may we cooperate with you today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, <clears throat> what am I supposed to do? Paul, it is evident that he knew what he was supposed to do. He was active, doing what God wanted, even when he was in prison, <clears throat> thinking of others. And you notice in the passages that we read, <clears throat> phrases like, for me to live is Christ. There's his purpose. For me living, my purpose for living is Christ, and to die is gain. <clears throat> In chapter 3, we read, he said all these things, and he was very educated, very accomplished in, in the law, and, and well respected before he came to Christ. Then the world rejected him. But he said, all these accomplishments, it's like garbage to me. It's, it's worthless compared to Christ. He didn't write the song, I'd Rather Have Jesus, but Paul would be singing it in heaven today. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather have Jesus than, than anything else. And that's in essence what he was saying here. And <clears throat> the things that happened to him, he saw them from a very clear perspective even being persecuted, being drug out of town and left for dead. He got up and he saw it differently than others because he saw it from God's perspective. Someone has said, it's not what happens to you, but how you react is what is important. So, <clears throat> really what's going on in our world is not the important part. It's how we react to it is the important part. I mean, if we, if we worship ease and comfort and we think that's being taken away from us, then we will be troubled what's going on. <clears throat> but if you look through the Bible, I don't care from Genesis to Revelation, <clears throat> if you look through the Bible... Um, I was thinking this last week, when we get to heaven, the things that these Bible characters went through compared to what we're going through, and undoubtedly there, there are certain people in places around the world that are going through some of the things, but honestly, I, I blush and shame. So how was it in serving Christ in 2020? Wow, man, we had a virus come through and and it locked down everything. 
uh, a what? A virus, you know, a little bug that can get in your system and and was it like the bubonic plague? Well, it wasn't that bad. See, I'm not talking. My issue is not with the virus. My issue is how are we responding? My issue is the Bible. All throughout the Bible and history, there are tumultuous events that came into their lives. And how did they respond? What was their response? And we're going to share this morning three things, and it will be reiterated in the book that we'll be getting into, that I don't care what situation in life you run into, if you'll remember these these three things, it will help you know what you're supposed to do. It is, one, we need to know God. At the beginning of the year, we said, before we introduce the attributes of God, we did a message on Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. Or don't let the rich man glory in his riches. And and don't let the strong man glory in his strength. Why? Because all of those things will disappear. I mean, every funeral is a reminder to us that our, our wisdom, our strength, and our riches are going to be gone. And they're going, to, they're going to be somebody else's, the riches, and they'll probably fight over it, okay, if that makes you feel any better. So spend it now. No, I'm just saying that, that's not biblical wisdom there, okay? But the reality is, why is God telling us that? Because He wants us to invest in something that is eternal. So He says, don't glory in your money, don't glory in your strength, don't glory in your wisdom, Glory in God. Let a man glory that he knows and understands God. Now, right there, and and that's what Paul said, my desire is to know God, that I may know Him. You cannot know God without Jesus Christ. You cannot. And it doesn't matter. It's becoming more and more popular. This, this pluralism that comes in and says, well, there's many different ways and, and surely God's not going to send people to hell that sincerely believed another way. You may believe that, but it's wrong. There is only one way for forgiveness of sin, and it's Jesus Christ alone. And it's knowing Jesus Christ that He came to pay the penalty for my sin. And and it's it's more than just believing it. It's it's coming to the personal understanding and transaction that I, my sin, is sending me to hell as a condemned sinner. Sinner, guilty sinner. And there is no, I cannot keep the law. That's why the Ten Commandments were given to show us we can't keep the law. I cannot keep the law. I cannot undo my sin. I need Jesus Christ 
And Jesus Christ alone pays the penalty for our sin. So that's, that's the first step in knowing God. That's the one that gives us spiritual life so that we can know God. And if you're here today and, and you have never personally called upon Jesus Christ, today, it doesn't matter what your parents say or your husband or wife says or somebody else thinks you're saved. It's between you and God. And God knows whether you're saved or not. And you know it too if you want to look in the mirror and see the real picture. If you want to look in the mirror of God's Word and see the real picture. And you know what? You can fool everybody, but you can't fool God. And I can't think of anything more troubling. And, and every one of us here have had in the last weeks and months troubling things that have come into our hearts as you see various things. I can't think of anything more troubling than someone thinking they're saved and finding out they're not. And that's exactly what God said. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? And then he will say unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So that is the first and foremost. That is the good news. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And if you have never called upon Him, today needs to be the day of salvation. But that gives us life. The rest of our life is is to be growing in knowing God. And you can't know God without Jesus Christ. And you can't know God without His Word. You will, you will never know God like He wants you to know Him, and we need to know Him if you just dabble in the Bible a little bit. You need to, we need to, immerse ourselves in the Word of God to know God. And listen, that's all that matters. When everything's said and done, don't glory in our, it doesn't matter what's in our bank account. It matters whether we know God. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter all these other things. It matters that we know God. And if that's what matters, then I need Jesus Christ and I need His Word. And the only way to know God is to diligently study His Word. But see, Someone has said it's impossible for a man to learn when he thinks he already knows. We think we already know God. And, and we've, 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 we've relegated knowing God. We'll say, do you know God? And we mean, are you a believer? Have you trusted Christ? Just trusting Christ doesn't mean you really know God. Every day, every year of our life, we ought to be knowing Him more and more and more. And and it comes through the Word of God. A man tells an account of his uncle who on retirement decided that he would read through the Bible. Um, Twelve months later, he had easily achieved that uh, goal And he reasoned, with all the spare time on my hands, 
I might actually be able to read through the Bible every month. And he set out to do that, and he did. He read through the Bible every month for the next 12 years. That's 144 times he read through the Bible. Rarely had anyone, this man was saying about his uncle, I'd never seen anyone so immersed in the Bible as that man. And he said, here's the irony. When my uncle died, he was the meanest, bitterest man you could ever wish to meet. Because reading the Bible isn't enough. Knowing about God isn't enough. You must then be, the second thing, you must then be committed to honor God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 says, Wisdom, knowledge, I mean, knowledge puffeth up. If we do not take what we know about God and allow it to work through our lives, that we are committed to honoring God. See, to honor means to give respect to, to esteem them highly. To honor God means to reverence Him with admiration and adoration and awe and praise and, and submission and obedience. See, We don't really know God if it never works into obedience in our lives. We may know about Him. We may have an intellectual knowledge. But if we really know God, we will want to honor Him. And it's, how can I honor God? Through taking the next step of obedience. Last Sunday, when... When those three young people followed the Lord in the waters of baptism, that was honoring to God. That was a step of obedience that, that goes against our will at times. Oh, I don't know about doing that. Simple things like it's reading the Word and knowing that, that God is truth. Ah, so I'm going to honor God by not telling lies, by not being deceitful. I'm going to honor God. It's, it's working this out of our life. God indeed is worthy of the highest honor in all the attributes that we've looked at. <clears throat> he is worthy of it as our creator and sustainer and redeemer. Our very life and breath come from Him. All that we have received, all the things that He has made, no matter what, category you choose, God is to be honored above all. And the way we honor Him is through obedience. He said in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, keep my commandments. I mean, it, it's one thing to say, I love you. We can sing to God, we can tell God we love Him. But does it work out of our life? Is there anything that we do that, God, because I love you, I'm not going to do this. Or because I love you, I, I am going to do this. <clears throat> My natural inclination is not to, but because I love you, 
<clears throat> I am I'm committed to this. And and that's that's where it's honoring to God. When 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 we are properly under authority, it's not just that you know your authority's commands. You desire to know his will and his desires and we give ourselves to fulfill them. See, it honors God by not just saying, well, uh, God said to go a half a mile. I'm going a half a mile. And that's it. Honoring God is saying, hey, if you want me to go a half a mile, but I also see a need in the second half a mile, I'm going it. The Pharisees, they knew about God. They knew the law of God. And, and they were very legalistic in it, but they didn't know the heart of God. And they did not honor God. Honoring God is doing that which we know He, he desires of us. And, and He reserved His most severe judgments to them. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, He's quoting from Isaiah. But he said, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips they do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me, and in vain they do worship me. Wow. I've always struggled with, with the statement, the Lord said, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? He's asking. Well, I think this may describe it. They, they honor me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. But he said, I know their heart. He says, I hear you singing, I'd rather have Jesus. But I know you'd rather have Fill in the blank. You'd rather have things go back to normal. Jesus is willing to sacrifice normal to get us to his heart. He's willing to sacrifice anything because he said, this is the bottom line that you know me. And, and Paul, I want to honor God. I want to magnify Christ, whether it be by life or by death. So Paul said, I want to know Him, and I want to magnify Christ. I want to honor Christ. I want people to see how great Christ is. This is my purpose for life. I want, I want to honor God. And then thirdly, I want to treasure God. Turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. To know Him, to honor Him, and to treasure Him. Psalm 73 and verse 25. And again, we don't have the time to read the whole psalm. But notice the heart of the psalmist at the end of this psalm. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. 
My flesh and my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all his works. Notice what he says here. Who is there on earth that I desire besides you? God, I treasure you. You are my heart's desire. I mean, I thank God for for Marilyn. I thank God for the marriage that God has given us. But we both understand that if it come, came down to a choice between me and God, she'd take God and I'd say amen. And this vice versa. Why? Only God is worthy. And, and as we too commit ourselves to God, then we can have great joy and fellowship in what he's given us here. But the treasure, to, to treasure God, not just to know Him. And, and see, we, there are people that have never trusted Him, so it's trust Him. It's then give, live the, your whole life to, to know Him, always growing, to know Him more. And that's the neat thing about God. You know, with any human being, the more you get to know Him, the closer you are to Him, then you see the warts and the moles and the scratches and the selfishness. And you see bad things in people because it's there. The more you get to know God, there's none of that. He is the spotless lamb. And all our life we get to know him so that we say, wow, wow, wow. And then we start letting that work out of our life. And that honors God because He's so great. We say, I want to honor Him. I, I want you to be pleased with my life, Lord. And then, then, as you grow to maturity, then it's, I treasure you. You, you, are, you are my joy. The psalmist, Psalm 37, we read Wednesday night. Psalm 37, I delight in you, O Lord. I, I treasure you, not just that I need you. You treasure something that is rare, expensive, one of a kind, meaningful to you. Jesus Christ is all of that and so much more. And anything you treasure in this life apart from Christ is going to be gone. There's nothing on earth that compares to him. And what you treasure, you are willing to sacrifice for. I mean, he said a man went and found a treasure and buried it in a field. And then he went and sold all that he had so that he could have the money to buy that field. Why? Because there was a treasure there. It, it's not, okay, i got to go talk to God. i got to go read my book. No, I treasure it. I, I, it's, it's not a sacrifice. C.T. Studd, a great missionary, 
He gave the definition to what a stud is. He's a great missionary. He says, when you get the proper vision of God, the word sacrifice disappears from your vocabulary. You don't count it a sacrifice because I treasure him. What will it take to make you give up Jesus? Well, let me ask it a different way. What will it take to make you quit obeying him? I love the song, and whenever I hear it, I, I just love it. And I can't sing it. You've got to be a really good singer to sing it. But it says, give me Jesus in the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. I love these mornings, light, early, and, and I, I just love to walk in the dining room, walk outside, and it's just like, give me Jesus. In the evening when I die, I pray my heart is, give me Jesus. It's not going to be that unless I treasure Him. And see, all that's going on, God's saying, I, I want you, I want you to know me. And he's shaking the world and saying, I want you to know me, and I want you to honor me, and I want you to treasure me. And, and if you begin there saying, God, what do you want me to do? He'll give you instructions if those are your heart's desire. You know... The reality is, what you treasure, you are willing to sacrifice for. The disciples, James the son of Zebedee, was beheaded in Jerusalem. He was the first apostle to die. Matthew was slain with the sword in the city of Ethiopia. Mark was dragged through the streets of Alexandria until he expired. I mean... It's, it's too easy to read this, isn't it? I mean, though you, you've, seen, um, you've seen the pictures of, of what took place in Minneapolis and what's taking place in riots and things. And, and when you see some of these things, it makes you sick. Here was Mark. The Gospel of Mark was dragged through the streets behind a horse or a carriage until he was dead. Why? Give me Jesus, he said. You're not going to get me. I treasure Jesus. Luke was hanged in an olive tree in Greece. James the Less was thrown from the pinnacle or the wing of the temple. Philip was hanged up against a pillar in Pergia. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Can you imagine that? I mean, we flay fish. Why? Why was he flayed alive? Because he says, I treasure Jesus. I know Jesus. I want to honor Jesus. And I treasure Jesus. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Not one arrow. They lined him up and shot him to death with arrows. Thomas was run through the body with a lance. Simon was crucified. Peter was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy 
to be crucified like my Savior. Matthew was stoned and beheaded. Now, put that on all our feeble excuses of why we can't treasure God, why we can't know God, why we can't honor God. I, I personally, myself, I'd hang my head in shame if any one of those showed up today in southern Iowa and said, let's go, boys. And this ought to be a wake-up call to all of us. That, that, man, God, the reason, you're the very reason I'm here. And then I take this and live for myself. I mean, we become so familiar with it that, that we don't, we don't even realize the reality of it. But look, I, let me just read to you. On a hill far away and already, boop, Oh, the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. It was the most shameful way to die. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Treasuring God. Oh, that old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Notice that. To the old rugged cross I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. And there are people around the world today who are bearing that shame because they're followers of Christ. They are being disowned by their family. They're being killed by their family. They're being killed. Nigeria, hundreds of, follow, of people that believe just like you and me have gone to their death purely because they're Christians in the last month. I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Then He'll call me someday to my home far away where His glory forever I'll share. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you've never trusted Him. And I would plead with you to trust Jesus Christ. Maybe you say, you know what? I know about God, but to really say that I know Him. And every one of us ought to, ought to say, God, I am, I am more committed now. I am going to, to make changes in my life to know You more. And I'm going to be more conscientious. I want to honor You. It's not honoring America or Iowa or my family name or whatever. It's honoring you. And God, help me to grow that I treasure you more than anything else. Heavenly Father, thank you for your life.
that was given for our sin. And then, Lord, thank You for the example of people that all through the ages have loved You more than their own life. Lord, we do thank You that we're not being asked today to lay down our lives. Although there may be some in our nation that are, and certainly there are around the world. But Lord, I pray that we would have a commitment to know You, to honor You, and to treasure You. And Lord, I pray that even as the Apostle Paul's burning desire was to magnify You, whether by life or by death, that he may know You and that he would count none of the things of this life as worthy to be compared to You. Lord, I pray that we would know You, honor You, and that we truly would treasure You. Lord, I pray that You would be honored through our responses today, we ask in Your name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask Kathy to just play through the old rugged cross.